Well, hello. Hi again, everyone. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 123. As we continue our role here on RadioMVP.com, Anthony and yours truly, Tim, with you here today as we're going to get into the world of sports. It's been about two weeks since we've been together, maybe about 10 days, two weeks in that range, but uh, not a lot going on. Eh, just scheduling. Let's be honest. And uh, yeah. the NFL is having trouble scheduling, too, so there's nothing unusual. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, nothing unusual at all. Um, you know, we talked about this back in March. It's the adaptability and flexibility. And if there were, you know, I know uh, uh, Terry Francona has used those two words almost every February when he has his introductory press conference to the new season. Uh, he may not come out and say those two words exactly, but his message is being able to adapt and being flexible. And uh, he said that since 2013, and it's uh, paid off for the tribe, and hopefully it pays off for uh, the United States here and in, uh, going into 2020. For everybody, all involved. Yes. It is crazy out there. Keep yourself safe and uh, do the things necessary because it, uh, it is an absolute jungle right now. So uh, that's my advice to all. Be careful, do the right things, and uh, take care of your family and friends the best you possibly can, and, of yes. course, yourself. All right. That PSA out of the way. Uh, let's start with some baseball news. Some yes, rumor, that... yeah, the rumorville has gone. Uh, interesting in the last few days, Terry Pluto uh, recently wrote a article where, of course, the Indians, everyone knows, has Francisco Lindor on the market. You're uh, kidding! Get out. Yes, and the latest rumor and interesting rumor is that the Toronto Blue Jays may be out in front on the bidding war for. Lindor before the start of the season could come down in any day now could come down three months from now you know how baseball is uh but it's Francisco Lindor going to Toronto and potentially signing a long-term deal there because as my understanding Uh is he likes that possibility and Toronto has the money to do it and the Indians get in return L'Oreal Grail Jr. so uh Lauren yeah, that's, yeah. Um, it's, you know, that's an interesting, uh, you know, we hear the match. We've talked about the match with Steve Cohen um, wanting to make a big splash. The Dodgers, obviously, even though, I mean, do they really need them? No. Um, you're always going to have the Yankees involved. Even if they don't need him, the Yankees will come up because it's the Yankees. And they're almost always in on any big name free agent or uh, trade acquisition. But I had uh, I had heard the idea of the Blue Jays thrown around a couple weeks ago, um, and then it kind of died down to a point where, while the Indians may wait and see where Carlos Correa lands, and then that will help dictate the Francisco Lindor market. Um, and I even read this morning, Tim, um, from Buster Olney and a couple people, that Lindor, um, and this is according to Major League Baseball Network, that Lindor would not be the first Indian to be traded this offseason. Uh, they had said that uh, Lindor would be traded probably right around the time Mookie Betts was traded last year, February, beginning, uh, going into spring training. Um, and they actually said that uh, Carlos Carrasco would be the uh, first Indian dealt this offseason. Um, but getting back to what you had read from uh, Terry Pluto, it does not shock me. I read this morning also that the Blue Jays are – 
interested in uh, George Springer. So they're going for it. They, oh, yeah. With the young core they have in Bichette and Biggio and Guerrero Jr., uh, they're going for it. It makes and sense. I like Goriel Jr. a lot. I really like him. Some couple years ago when he just started coming into his own, he can play a corner outfield spot, probably left field here in Cleveland. He's a 300 hitter this past year. Uh, if I were the Indians, and this might be getting very greedy given Lindor's um, contract being up. Now, like you mentioned, um, Lindor is intrigued by Toronto and cuts on a long-term deal there. Um, I would I would ask for, I believe it's Nate Pearson, the Blue Jays' top pitching prospect also, who made a couple appearances last year in the big leagues. If I'm the Indians, Gurion and Pearson are one and two on my list. Yeah, I don't know what – obviously, they'd be more involved than just Goriel, but that would be the big chip coming back. What and about what about Biggio or Bichette? you got to put Lindor short. Well, yeah, um, I, I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, I mean, honestly, they have a lot of options. And, they do. Uh, well, I mean, it's just – it's interesting. I mean, they do have a lot of young talent. Mm-hmm. And the Indians are in the process of getting younger, um, and the Indians are in the process of saving money. And it, you know, we'll see what the gang up in Cleveland comes up with because uh, it's going to be an interesting year for a lot of teams. And I'm not saying it's a rebuild, but it's definitely a retool, and yeah. it is uh, going to be interesting. Now, you bring up an interesting uh, rumor about Carrasco. I get it because he's one of the highest paid players on the team. Mm. I'm not sure that is a high priority move for the Indians. You're exactly right, Tim. I think it's more of what it was with Corey Kluber a couple years ago. If they were to be blown away by an offer, yeah, they'd probably do it. But they're probably not out actively seeking, you know, like they were for Corey Kluber last year where they just got the shoes on uh, Class A. They're not going to do that. But if they would be blown away by somebody, I absolutely do think they'd move on. Well, yeah, uh, exactly. I, there's not a person on the Indians roster that is a uh, a no-touch player. If they truly believe that in the long mm-hmm. term that they were going to make the team better, uh, the Indians would put pull the uh, trigger. It's not something I would necessarily always agree with, but I definitely see that as a possibility going forward. Uh, the Indians do have, you know, young pitching that they believe in. Uh, bullpen is going to be retooled again this year, but it's retooled every year. Yeah, those uh, are so fickle. You, that's the hardest thing in baseball to project is the bullpen. And the Indians have uh, depth in, the, in that position. Yeah, and like I said, every year is a retool. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. obviously Brad Hayen will be back. And, uh, you know, you have, you know, Class A making his – debut i guess with the indians yeah, he's uh, out what the first 21 games still i'm not it's, sure it's know, I'll be on, yeah i you know if i was major league baseball you just recruit all of last year yeah i think you i i think you have a i think if you're the players association you may have something to say there because yeah. it was not their fault they didn't have a full season no and he was suspended before the before the actual the, yes. baseball games were we're eliminating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, they may hold them to it. I, I honestly have no clue what baseball will do. Um, 
when it comes to baseball making correct decisions all the time, they uh, usually err no. on the wrong side of correctness. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's just the way I see it. Uh, another thing with baseball, uh, Anthony, I heard today, right now, as of today, they're going to revert back to the National League having no DH. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, now that may change again with the negotiations with the Players Association. I think the Players Association, I think baseball in general, would rather have the DH, but under, the, under this current contract, uh, maybe baseball believes it's a chip the hold trying to get the players and them all in the same room and negotiating. I don't know. Uh, that's a different story all to itself, and uh, we'll deal with that later on when it matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, tensions are high for both the uh, the ownerships of Major League Baseball and the players' decisions. So uh, there's not what? a lot of trust there. So we'll just have to wait and see how it all uh, winds down long term. But I'm not optimistic uh, today, you know, on December 7th. But uh, we have a full season potentially ahead of us, and then we'll see exactly what happens next December when that contract expires hopefully between now and this time next year that baseball will have a thawing of um, tensions and Mm -hmm. an opportunity to uh, negotiate squarely and fairly and and move forward but I mean again that's totally I hate talking about you know monies that's not mine and yeah uh, scenarios that really are out of our control i mean we can Mm -hmm. talk about trades we can talk about players and managers and and that's fun and that and there's nothing wrong with that you even talk salary cap if you want to yeah personally i i let salary cap deal deals with those who involved you know Mm -hmm. i never really cared about how much money a player makes because it's not mine it's all i want to yeah yeah it's not mine and it's a business and they know what they're paying for the player. Exactly. And they know where the lines of profitability lies and what they got to do. That's just like major league, you know, or the NFL or NBA, you know, it's like LeBron James just signed his two year extension worth 85 million. Well, yeah, he's the best player in, in basketball. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay him, you know? Uh, and I have no problem with that. And just like when, you know, Michael Jordan signed, you know, $35 million contracts back in his day. Well, yeah, he's the best player in yep. basketball. You're going to do that. And, you know, Kobe Bryant got his and others. So, you know, I, I, congratulations. Good luck. You know, I wish you well. I don't, you know, I don't hold a grudge to it. I don't, you know, oh, they're just millionaire players. I don't, mm-hmm. I, just, I honestly don't. I've, it's become such a large gap between the average fan and the players and the largest gap mm-hmm. between management and uh, the average fan, that why do you care? That's my opinion. Why do you care? Because you're not going to be in that ballpark, most mm-hmm. of us. And you know, maybe I'll change someday, but realistically, you know, this is in 1960 where a ball player made, you know, $15,000 a year to play baseball. You know, it's just not. Even in the 70s, they made only 30000 you know, 35000 I think Joe... Joe Charbonneau, when he won rookie of the year, made $38,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just, it just shows you the difference in baseball. And that was 1980. You know, you're talking 40 years ago now. Uh, But, you know, again, that's just how how the world has changed. What's your thoughts on uh, the Indians non-tendering Tyler Mank one? Oh, no big deal. I I think all five of them, they let go. 
you know, if they resign one or two, fantastic. If they don't, no big deal. Honest, the Indians outfield is a mess. Uh, DeShields, yeah, Naquin, they're all the same type of ball player. You can send Me, Delon DeShields so far away from the stadium, and I won't miss him at all. Well, it's it's the same with all of them because there's no real difference between them all. No. Okay. Yeah, the one can hit for a little more power, but in the end, they're all 225 hitters. Yep. They're all going to drive in 15 to 30 runs a season. You know, some may come up with a they're big stolen two. base or a big yeah. hit, but you know what? They're not consistent players. No, they're and, everyday players. Yeah. Uh, quite honest with you, I'd rather have um, Naylor in the lineup every day. I do too. Then Na- I do too. Naquin. I do too. And I want to see what he can do, you know, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, that's just like, you know, the Indians looking to make changes. You have to. The Indians will never stay the same year to year. They may be small differences some year and big differences in other years. But you look at what the Indians have done in the last three years, how they've moved on from certain players. And it, it's just the, it's the model of the Cleveland Indians, how they'd be successful. They're going to build for a one to two, three-year window to win it. Yep, and if they could win it prior to that and extending, great or great, yeah, or extend a window longer at the end because some players stay around longer, fantastic. But that's just not the way the Indians and Major League Baseball is built today. Uh, you look at the A's, for example. The A's went really good for a long time, being a a contender, and then they took a little time for a few years, and now they're back. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. The Twins, the same way. Uh, you're going to have, you know, some teams are going to have a smaller window to succeed and others are going to have a larger window. And some might have just a little larger window than like the Indians, you know, uh, it can happen. And that's just the way baseball works for the, for the smaller markets. Now, if you're the New York Yankees or the, the Mets or the Dodgers, you have a a Mm -hmm. much larger window because you can make changes on the fly and afford to do it. Wow. Uh, the smaller markets, you don't have to, you don't have that opportunity. That was so frustrating for Pirates fans is when they did get good, yeah, they could never crack through. You know, they lost in the first round, they lost in the in the wild card round, yes, three years in a row. Yep. Uh, you know, those are that was the one year that they went past the wild card round was the most successful, and that was the first yep. year they made the playoffs. So you, you know, the twins are the same thing, the twins have that that stigma of never getting past the first round of the playoffs. So yeah, uh, you look at the Indians, uh, you know, 2016, it was four years ago. Now we're going into the five, five seasons since yeah. they made the world series this coming year. Uh, yeah. Everything fell in place. That team played really well. Some players overperformed and the Indians front office went for it and they did a great job the following year. They did a fantastic job managing that team to get them in position to win some injuries mm-hmm. and some lack of performance in the playoffs, you know, so a little bad luck and, and you're out and you had a 22 game winning streak during that year. So sometimes it's just, you know, your window is so small, you have a two, three year window and it is quite honestly kind of underperformed after making the world series in yes, 2016, but not to this point where I would say they completely underperformed. Uh, it was just disappointing that they weren't able to really cash in, yes. you know, in 2017 when they had a, a phenomenal year and a phenomenal team. They the best team in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. They really were down the stretch. And then they, you know, they had a slump at the wrong time of the year. 
Yeah, they won that series and it cost them. Yeah, yeah you're right. Baseball. You had uh, you had two injuries there in Brantley and Encarnacion rolling his ankle, and then you know a couple misplays there, and uh, it, it just snowballed and it was a bad series. It's, yeah, I, you know I, you played so, what ten good series in a row there, and then um, right, you know one bad series cost you. And, uh, you got to tip your cap to the Yankees for and even last you know, year, same you. thing. Uh, yeah. You know, th- that team had a chance against the Yankees. It just couldn't catch through. And, you know, these are the, uh, you know, these are the breaks in baseball. That's why I say your window is so small when you have that opportunity. That's what makes 2016 special. That's what makes 2016 yes. a heartbreaker because it went down to the very last pitch of the uh, season. But uh, those are the things. That's how we'll baseball is designed. That's how baseball is designed, though. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see the, the the like the Dodgers, a team like that, succeed and make three World Series in a row and be competitive for World Series for five, six, seven years because they're a larger market and they have the players and they have the ability mm-hmm. to make changes on the fly and to make that team very good. The Yankees in the early 2000s, the Yankees since then, have always had that opportunity. Some years they've managed it better than others. Some years they haven't. Um Houston has that opportunity and Houston kind of blew up in their own face. Yes, but, they did. You know, I'm not saying that's not still a very good team. It is. However, we'll just see where, where it goes from there. And uh, I mean, that's just the way baseball's made. Uh, you know, these are the rules that they play by and everyone accepts it. So it's never going to change until the ownership chooses to change it. And I don't think that'll ever happen. No, no, it won't. And uh, you know, it's what makes it, it's like you talk about what makes baseball so great. It's the way it's set up. But um, like you, like we've talked about every August, September, I just get in because the best team most of the time doesn't always win it. And the richest team doesn't always win it. Yeah. You know, you know, that's what makes baseball so fun is the Rays, A's and Indians a couple of years ago were arguably the three best teams in baseball. You know, that's what, that's what makes it so fun. So, um, you know, I agree. I, I kind of like the strategy and um, path that Antonetti and Chernoff are taking, by the way. Thankfully, they have decided to stay in Cleveland and turn down the Mets overtures. But I kind of like their idea of retooling, but staying in that wind, that area where they're not completely tearing it down to the studs and going an ugly rebuild. Um, they're just trying to, you know, not remain 81 wins or you know, they're trying to keep that window open for a playoff spot. And um, and you saw it this year at the Twins, too. They're going through a little bit of rebuild, too. When you have Nelson, the pitching. Nelson Cruz is gone. Yes. Yeah, when you have the young pitcher that the Indians have that is as successful as it has been, and your oldest starting pitcher is Carrasco, who's, what, mm-hmm. 30? Um, yep. No, you're 31. You're, I mean, you're in great shape. So you move forward. And, you know, hopefully that's that's the way it'll be. Yeah. Uh, my friend, the Cleveland Browns are nine and three. I heard that this morning. <laughs> I heard that this morning. Uh, it's, it has been an interesting, interesting year, to say the least. It's been fun. It's been a long time since watching the, uh, the Browns win on a consistent basis. And a little baseball news, and we've said this before, and I'll say this again and again. Paul DePotesta is a genius, and he's proved it again. Mm-hmm. Um with his ability to find talented people to run organizations and coach. 
And remember, remember years ago, and I won't say years ago, remember 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was so specialized, specialized, specialized. You either play basketball, you're in basketball. You play football, you're in football. You're in baseball, you're in baseball. You're in hockey, you're in hockey. You don't co-mingle and mix. And But now, you know, football coaches will simply just go watch a kid play basketball. Or though a football coach will go watch a kid play baseball. And now you're seeing, too, with owners and GMs and front office personnel, if you're successful in one area, you're probably going to be pretty successful in the other. And I'll say this, as an outsider looking in, I know the Haslam's have gotten a lot of flack because they were so bad for so long. But the one thing they did stand by, they stood by De Potesta when he came in with the Browns, and they stood by him this past year when they put him in charge. And right now they're looking pretty smart. You know, uh, read a tweet the other day from our mm-hmm. friend uh, Tom Reed, who used to be with The Athletic. Uh, there's not a ownership group that has had a bigger turnaround than the Haslam's have had in Ohio as their Columbus crew organizations on the verge yes. of an MSL uh, championship. And, and the Cleveland Browns are nine and three a couple years ago. Yeah. That was about five, six years ago. It wasn't their ownership. No. So they, and they came in and bought them, right? They bought they them in the last them, yeah. two years. Yeah. I think it was yeah. last season. They bought them. Uh, Basically, what happened, uh, if you do not know the story of the MSL and the Columbus crew, is they went through a, a couple of different ownership changes. And one of the ownerships that bought it, bought it to move the team to Texas, to Austin, Texas. Yes. And mm-hmm. that was the big stink in uh, Columbus and in the state of Ohio and all that. Uh, you know, you're talking about one of the charter members of the MSL to begin with. And uh, what they ended up doing is uh, basically holding a team kind of hostage, selling off players and a few other things. And in the process, uh, the Haslam's came in, uh, bought the team, and that owner who was going to move the team ended up, I believe, with a a franchise in Texas for Austin as an expansion Mm -hmm. team. Uh, I don't know the whole story, but I believe that's how it all worked out. Anyways, so the Haslam's were able then to negotiate or – follow the leads of what was there to build a new stadium downtown. And that is being built. I don't, I don't think it's opened yet um, in Columbus. No, no, it has opened. Take that back. It has. To it open. is open. Yes. Yes. It has opened. I'll, I'll correct myself anyways. Um, but you look where the crew is at right now and it is a, uh, you know, Columbus is a unique town. I mean, you have Ohio state, which dominates everything. And I lived there for a little bit. And mm-hmm. it is the absolute epicenter of the of the uh, town, uh, especially in mm-hmm. sports. But the first uh, major sporting uh, professional sporting team to come to Columbus was the MSL, the, uh, yeah, the, crew, the, yeah. the, the Columbus Crew, or MLS. Excuse me, MLS, Major yeah. League Soccer. I, I keep, anyways. Needless to say, yeah. Um, they, you know, have been, you know, they built the first ever stadium designed for a us for the game of soccer for uh, round ball football, as I like to call it, a non oblong football. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, this is a rich tradition there. And then 
a few years later, the, you know, about 10 years later, the ice hockey came to town with, you know, uh, with the Blue Jackets. So it's, it, you know, they're a unique sporting town because, like I said, the epicenter will always be uh, Ohio State, but they have two professional f- franchises that are a big part of that community. And one is in mm-hmm. soccer and the other one, of course, is in hockey. And they've made in-grounds and really have been part of the community in Columbus over the last uh, quarter century. So, uh, you know, it, it's amazing to see Columbus change like that from a college town to a college slash professional team with, uh, you know, not a football oriented team, not a basketball, not a baseball, uh, the three top sports or, or premier sports in mm-hmm. America, but, uh, you know, the fourth and the fifth with uh, with the NHL and uh, Major League Soccer. So, I mean, it, it's a unique town and going on and, you know, it, it's, it's fun to watch. And uh, we're going to get back to the Browns, but since we're on the Columbus kind of talk here, uh, the Buckeyes, boy, did they look good against uh, Michigan State. They showed State. me something Saturday. Yeah. They showed me something Saturday. That's, um, you know – Urban Meyer, Tim, always had a phrase, always had a saying when he was the head coach. When I need you the most, you gave your very best. You're down four coaches, 23 players, three starters on the offensive line, your starting linebacker and your backup linebacker, and they didn't miss a beat. After the first series, a couple snaps went awry, um, and Justin Fields, he, he showed his leadership skills there. He did, didn't he? He showed his leadership. You know, it could have been very easily for him to get frustrated or bad snaps and not make a play or do something stupid. Instead, he kept working with them and he made plays. And you could tell, though, that was two things. You could tell that was a Kevin Wilson called game. It was 200 yards passing. They used Trey Sermon, the quicker back a little bit more, and Fields ran the ball more. That offense right there, Tim, that team Saturday showed me they might be getting in that championship phase that Dabos talks about. They could be gearing up for that championship. It's like they had an extra burst of energy on both sides. They did. And number two, uh, Larry Johnson is going to be a head coach somewhere someday. He oh, is yeah. a, he is, you know, it's, he showed his leadership skills too. When nothing went right for you for two weeks with the COVID and the players going out, and the coaches going out, and your head coach is out. And we've talked so much about why the Indians have won, why the Browns have not won um, culture. We've mm-hmm. said that word a lot. The Indians win because it's a good culture. The Browns have lost because the culture has been non-existent. Ohio State showed that culture Saturday. You came in, you did your job, and you made a statement, and uh, oh boy, if I'm Captain Khaki, I'm getting nervous up there. <laughs> I am, I am on the phone with the Lions, the Jets, anybody looking for a coach, saying, "Please take me now, please take me now," because that team Saturday, not only more, more impressive, I thought. Now I know Michigan State's terrible, but the defense look good for four quarters. Yeah, they they played they played a thorough game. There's no question yes, about it. Yes, they did. It, it was and, their best game of the season. 
I think a lot of frustration too, you know, yes. on the field that you take out on your opponent and, you know, you have the yeah. concentration level to it, to a new level. And it shows you what it takes to win. I don't care what team you are. Uh, every team, I not, you know how I'm big on how a team reacts and yeah. handles adversity and adaptability and flexibility. Right. Well, when you face adversity, there's so many different wor- ways that can happen. Mm-hmm. It could be internal. It could be a yep. about plays that happen against you in a game. It could be an outside factor like COVID. These are all facing adversity. And how you handle it shows you the max of what you are. And that, to me, is really the, the key here for uh, the Buckeyes. And, you know, I think you're seeing the leadership of the coaching staff, as you mentioned, with Larry Johnson and, of course, you know, uh, you got to give credit for day and what he's achieved in the two years that he's been a head coach. And obviously he has good leadership on both sides of the ball and players, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that you can see the talent level of this Ohio state team. We keep talking about the, the ridiculous level of talent and uh, you're seeing that being displayed in a game like that this past Saturday. And you've seen it all season long. Look, there's going to be games where you, you're, you know, you don't play your best, but you still win, kind of like against Indiana. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be games where you just dominate. And that's what we've seen last week. And this week, you know, everyone expects them to dominate. Michigan hasn't practiced in two weeks. They just started practicing today. And uh, we'll see what happens. third string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they're, I, never do I talk about point spreads because I don't care. But – when the point spread is minus 30 and you're Michigan against Ohio state, that's just unbelievable. And I have two questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. Because you fit it every time we've talked about this game, the game, and um, it's pretty obvious. It means more to the people in Columbus than it does to the people in Ann Arbor. I wouldn't say that. I say it's about equal, believe it or not. I think what happened, what you're seeing right now, Anthony, is the complete domination that Ohio State has had the last decade mm-hmm. and a half really wear down on the fans and Metal, yes. the administration and everything to get over this hump. And what happened during this time period, unlike when Michigan dominated during the Cooper era, the yes. talent level was pretty, pretty much equal. Uh, close, yes. It was pretty equal. And mm-hmm. Michigan just because, you know, they had better coaching and they better. Executed better yeah. yeah. They won all those games against Ohio State. Since the Trestle era and the Myers era, now day, we've seen really that gap in talent grow tremendously between these uh, I, two schools. And I think that's where I, today, if you're a Michigan fan or uh, if you're just a football fan, in general, Observer, you see, yeah, yeah, you've seen that. It's kind of like what the SEC has with Alabama. You know, year in and year out, Alabama is going to be playing for a championship. Mm-hmm. You know, in the SEC, if they get knocked off, they're still going to be in the top four in the yeah. country. Okay, you mm-hmm. know that going in. Every year, you can pencil in Alabama right now, as long yep. as that coaching staff stays there. Uh, you can pencil them in to be a top four contender almost every single season. And, and that's just the way it works. Winning the SEC championship or not, uh, you can yep. pencil them in because their talent level is that extreme. 
Clemson for the, re- the last five years. You can pencil them in. Yep. They're that good. And then you always have, like I said, the Ohio State who has that talent level, who's been left out a couple times, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, that I thought was kind of unfair, but only four teams can get it. And yep. you know, that's the politics of the game. And you just have to accept it. Uh, don't have to like it, but you have to accept it. And, Let me you know, this year we're seeing, you know, Notre Dame making that push. And Notre mm-hmm. Dame's a very talented team. Now, I don't know if they have the same talent level as the three mentioned teams, meaning in Clemson and total talent or Alabama or Ohio State and total talent. But they're definitely a talented team, maybe similar to what LSU was last year, who's all coming together at one time to have this super opportunity to uh, use this window of opportunity, like I said, and, and talking about the Indians to uh, to achieve something special, and we're we're gonna have that opportunity to watch that bear out and see how these four teams make it going forward. Let me ask you these two questions because the past couple of years we've talked about this game. You've been spot on, and you've been very con- convicted in your statements. Uh, Two years ago and last year, you said this game will be, at minimum, a four-touchdown game. Ohio State's going to score 50 minimum. Uh, a, or question number one, does Ohio State cover the spread? Oh, yeah. Uh, and they know, score 70. It's it's not uh, unimaginable. I, I, I mean, I never thought I'd, I'd ask this. It's you know, not Usually unma- in a football game, usually in a football game, it's – 45, 50 points. That's if it's, if it gets, you know, I'm going to throw out a number at you and just, cause who knows mm-hmm. what the scores will be and how the game will yeah. play. Okay. Cause as you know, any given day, anybody can rise up yes. and play a perfect game against yes. you. And you may be down and not play yep. that perfect game and an offset can happen. I'll, yep. I'll grant that now on talent level, let's just say it's kind of like what the Browns did against Tennessee you get out to a 38 to you know seven lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say Ohio State gets out to a 45 point first half. Yeah. Do they necessarily run up to score? Not necessarily run up to score as much as they probably will score two, three more touchdowns in that game, only because the opponent can't stop them, in yep. my opinion. It's not necessarily trying to run up to score. Now, if a couple of big plays happen where uh, you run a screenplay and it goes for 75 yep. yards or – uh, you do a little, you know, a short route and it turns into a big gainer or a running back, you know, drops, you know, a, an 80 yard run on the defense. But those things happen in sports. There's nothing you can do about that. But it, uh, would it pos- probably be more of a, a seven to 10 play, grind it out, keep it on the ground, uh, throw only when necessary second half? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, once you get to that certain level where you know the game's over, the most important thing to do is to get out healthy and uh, and move on. And it's not, yeah. you know, I don't care. You know, like the Browns game, you look at the final score, you think it's a lot closer than it was, 41-35. But it wasn't that close of a ball game. Uh, yes, Tennessee had a nice second half, and the Browns made a couple of mistakes and gave them, you know, 14 points they probably should have never had. And that last touchdown was an absolute gift. And, you know, to make the score look a lot closer than it actually was of a ball game. That game was over in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't quite manage it perfectly in the second half, you know, and I think uh, Stefanski and his coaching staff knows that, 
but they did put themselves in a position to win. Did it get a little precarious at the end because you left the door open? Yeah, but you know, that was you're going a fourth and in inches and you fumble the ball and they return it down inside the, you know, the 20 yard line and get a touchdown to close the gap, you know, from 14 down to six. Yeah. You know, that's just not paying attention to things, not closing out a game like you're supposed to, uh, you know, having penalties extend a drive that where they get the touchdown prior to that should never happen. You know, those are the things that cost you long-term that you have to clean up. Because the Browns should have closed that game out, and it probably should have been a, a score like forty-one to twenty versus mm-hmm. the forty-one uh, thirty-five score that it was. That's just you know unfortunate, but a reality. Now forty-one twenty-one is what the final should have been in my mind. But the last two touchdowns, the Browns did everything they could uh, as a team not to close out the game properly. But in the end. You, I never lost confidence that they were going to win that ball game. I was disappointed when they they gave up the touchdown to make it, you know, a two touchdown lead, and then when they couldn't run out the ball, that was disappointing. I mean, if I had my criticism of the Browns right now mm-hmm. is when everybody knows you need one or two yards to get that first down, they're not getting it. You can't get it, yeah. And and everybody knows what you're doing. You have the best running game in in in, in the NFL right now, statistically, yeah. yeah. So. You should be able to power your way through. Your offensive line has to win that war. Uh, and that right now is what my biggest concern for the Browns going forward. When it is fourth and one or third and one or third and two, everybody knows what you're going to do. It's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. It's about winning that, that play. And, you know, that's what football is about is, you know what I'm going to do? I know what you got to do and you can't stop me. That's how you win football games or you close them out. And the Browns are still learning that. And, but they're winning ball games along the way. And that's the most important thing, collecting wins. Hey, they got nine wins. You know, it's been since 2007 that they had, you know, 10 wins. So, mm-hmm. you know, next week against the Ravens, was it's going to be at home. It's an important game. Every game out, it's going to be important. because That's a Monday night game, isn't it? I believe so, yes. So it, it's going to be a huge, huge uh, game for – for this organization going forward. And, you know, I'm excited as a fan. It's been a long time since I've had something to watch on any given Sunday and be excited about. And look, do I expect them to win the the Super Bowl this year? No. Do I think they can compete, meaning be in the tournament and maybe win a game? Yes. This team's talented enough to do that. Uh, We'll see. I mean, I said the same thing back in 2002 when they when they faced the Steelers. I thought they had a great chance that day, mm-hmm. and they almost did. They got out to a big lead and, and couldn't close out that game back mm-hmm. way back when, when the, the only time they made the playoffs in the 2.0 era. So uh, we'll go from there. Uh, I, I really like where they're at. I like what they're doing. I like the makeup of the team. Stefanski's coaching staff has proven himself on again and again. Uh the defense is is showing its its marks. It's not perfect, but they do try to force turnovers. It's part of the game plan. Uh, I mean, that one touchdown that Tennessee got was on a fumble. I mean, they mm-hmm. they forced the fumble inside the five, and the ball bounces right to the wrong guy's hands, and he gets into the end zone. Otherwise, the Browns recover it and turns them yeah. away from seven. So, I mean, there were plays like that in the game that were odd that hopefully will be cleaned up going forward. And then you'll close out games instead of, you know, having to wait to the 
very mm-hmm. end to 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 do that. And the last couple of victories, they had to kind of let the clock run out on them versus yeah. uh, close out the ball game. But in the end, W's collect W's. I've said it in every sport. I'll say it again. You don't have to look at standings. You just have to collect W's. I, you know, uh, I watched, you know, you know me in Liverpool, how much I love yeah. watching them and what a great organization that they are. And, you know, and what Klopp has done with that program uh, is phenomenal. And, you know, I know where they're at. I, I, I have friends of mine who, who watch standings and, and it matters in that league because there's no playoffs and you've yeah. got to be on top to win it. Yeah. So it does matter to know where you're at and know what you're doing. And it's such a uh, condensed schedule this year. Uh, But, you know, I just, I I really just keep track of wins and keep track of how many draws they have. You got to take care of yourself. Right. And and what matters most is, is, is avoid the else, you know, and hopefully, you know, the draws will come to an end. They've had some bad luck, but uh, you know, they're playing good. They're fun to watch. Oh my God. Anthony, I wish uh, COVID wasn't around. I was bringing you down to West Side Bowl and, and have you cheer. You would, you would absolutely fall in love with this team like I have. Matter of fact, you know, as much as I, as passionate as I am about all my teams, yeah, uh, my passion for Liverpool has grown so much over the last three years. It's just really been so much fun. Oh, my God. Uh, I had literally on my phone watching Peacock had had the – Liverpool game on yeah. when the Browns games was on. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been a, a, a really a treasure. And like I said, I we don't talk about it often here, but mm-hmm. it is it is absolutely. I am so thankful that I went down to West Side Bowl that day and uh, said, "Who are we cheering for?" Yeah, uh, the fellas in the red. Now shut up and listen. You know, I'll catch <laughs> you up. And uh, you know what? Shut up and listen. Uh, it worked and. Uh, I tell you what, it has been a, a pleasure and it's been a lot of fun. So uh, that's our, our red moment. Uh, and then uh, we'll go on from there. But yeah, like I said, there's so much going on in the world of sports. I can go on and on and on, Anthony. But what the Browns are doing right now is exciting. It's fun. Um, I know it's not fun for you with being a Bronco fan. Uh, you know, Monday I haven't night, watched a game all year. You didn't even watch it the other night? No, I watched uh... – I watched – now, why I would do this myself, I don't know. But I put up the Christmas tree, and then I turned on the UFC and Washington State game. And <laughs> as much as it kills me to say this, because nothing good, I challenge anybody to tell me one good thing the University of Southern California has given this country, besides Hollywood actors, that offense is fun to watch. I actually have not watched it's them good. play. I can't, I, I'll be they honest are, – They've got Mike Leach on everybody. They well, are – they're throwing around the lot, and they got athletes, man. You know what? They got some athletes out there, and, I mean, and you there's, should. There's no excuse for USC and UCLA not to be contenders most years. The amount of talent in California is tenfold. You think there's talent in Texas? There's even more in California. You just have UCLA to- should be every year a top ten be- – a college basketball team. Hands yes. down, there's no excuse. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane, in my opinion, with the amount of talents is in yep. California. Uh, There's just, you know, they should never, ever uh, not be a contender. And I'm quite honest with they haven't been since Carroll left. And, yep. and Carroll was able to, to nationalize it, too. 
He got talent from yep. all over the country, but he got talent from California. His quarterbacks, everything. Uh, so uh, it's a matter of having the right guy run the program in all sports. Yep. Uh, Klopp with Liverpool proves that. Uh, Myers, Day, Trestle with Ohio State yep. over the years. Uh, it just it, you know proves the point. Uh, Francona in Cleveland, Antonetti and and Chernoff in in the front office. It is about the organization and the people you have around you that yep. run the program. Uh, it matters. It absolutely matters. Whatever that organization or program is, it absolutely matters. Because no matter how successful your players can possibly be, if you don't have the right people pulling the, the yep, strings, you're, exactly you're right. not going to win. And you know, no, you're a not. perfect example, I mean, you've seen it as a Bronco fan when as, as successful as Elway was uh, with the Manning era, how mm-hmm. unsuccessful he has been finding the right coach and the right offense and the right thing since uh, that time. And, you know, the Cavaliers are the same way. Why has the Cleveland Cavaliers been so up and down? Besides the point is yep. every time they have LeBron James, they're super. And every time yeah. they don't, they're average, the below average. Uh, the main reason is they lack the organization skills to get it done because they never keep anybody around long enough to, to build something. It uh, reminds me, it reminds me, of a famous Woody Hayes quote that is on the wall as you walk into the facility and as you win with people. You do. And I, and I know it seems so cliche and boring. Oh yeah. But Tim, it it's, you know, look at every team we've talked about today. You know, why is Liverpool good every single year? Why is the Indians the last eight years Come October, there was national analysts saying, you know what, this team can win the World Series. Why are, you know, why is Ohio State every year Big Ten title, national championship, or bust? You know, um, you surround yourself with good people, and the rest will take care of itself. You know, and, as much as fans as we are of Jim Trestle, he always talked about that. Yes, he did. It, and, he, uh, you know, I mean, he, he was an X and O guy, too. Don't get me wrong. You know, and you know, but he was, he's was more of a cultivating relationships and sure. understanding uh, everybody. And you Terry know, Frank Crown is the same way. Oh, it, it, there's certain characteristics. Nowadays. There's certain characteristics you can find in your leaders that are yes. there all the time. And in the world of sports, you're going to find it. You know, Jurgen Klopp has it. Terry Francona has it. Urban Meyer has it. Jim Trestle has it. Uh, you can talk about the, the Ryan the, Day is getting there. Yeah, and and I'm not want to yeah. take him away, but you know, Bill Belichick has it. You know, yes, he does. There's many who have has who has that trait. They're all different individuals and different personalities and different ways they handle things. But the, there's certain things that they all really have in common, and they are good organizational leaders. Yes. And they are good motivators in their own way. And they're able to speak for their teams the way they want. Sometimes they may come up abrasive at times defending themselves or their yeah. position. And you don't yep. always have to agree with them, but there's a reason behind what they do. And that's what to me is the most impressive thing to watch. When you watch a, a coach defend his team or defend a player, even when you think 
there's absolutely no way he belongs in the lineup any longer. Exactly. You need to figure out there's a reason behind why he believes in him or her. Tim, that, and that's just the way it works. That is, um, you know, you mentioned that. And that is so great because we've seen it every year with the Indians. And, and I would say this year, um, and even the last, I don't know, 14, 15 games, Ian Book, whether you like him or not as an Aaron fan, He's gotten a lot of flack. You're going to get a lot of flack when you're the starting quarterback in Notre Dame. Sure. But every but every post game, Brian Kelly, whether he threw for 150 or threw for 350 yards, he said, he's my guy. He is a really good quarterback. He is our leader. He is a really good football player. And even after the Duke game and even after the Michigan game last year, and people were like, get him out of there. Find somebody else. He's not doing it because he knows it. It these leaders, you know, whenever uh, a, a two years ago when Jose Ramirez couldn't hit the ball out of the infield and was hitting 150 and 160, and even you and I said maybe it's time to sit him for a week or so. Tito said no. He's our guy. He's our third baseman, and he put him the lineup every night. Yeah. And sooner or later, you know. He started turning it around the last year. Good gosh. Mike Hargrove said it best. They're your starters for a reason. That's why you exactly. play them every day. And, you know, and that's why you play your players that are there. And now, you know, every sport's different and there's different ways to motivate mm-hmm. and different way to, to evaluate and make changes when necessary. And, you know, Terry Francona's first admitted, he's slow in making changes because he believes yep. in his players and he believes this is the day that they're going to shine. And, you know, he's the first to admit it. He goes, sometimes I hang on too long. It's too low to a fault. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you just, you, like you said, build relationships. That's how you do it. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, you know, the mm-hmm. old uh, Miami coach years ago, yes. used to say, you know, star players have a bigger leash than a, than a, yep. uh, than the 53rd man on yeah. the team. And he's right. Uh, and it's just the way it works. Um uh, it, it's just the way it works in sports. The more you produce, the bigger your, your, your leech is and, uh, nothing's going to change that. And, you know, that's just the way it works. And I would love to sit here and break down the game, but you know, this is to me more interesting. The conversation is, we've, we've just had, you're right. Because you and myself and everybody can go look at ESPN and see the box score. You know, we, we don't need to break down numbers. We don't need to break down the numbers. That's just, um, look, you and I love numbers. We will talk about numbers in baseball and the magic number and, you know, the wins you got to focus on. But at the end of the day, you can go read that for yourself in the newspaper, you know? Um, And that's why I think it sets us apart is when somebody asks us, they say, what do you guys talk about? And I look at them, I say, I don't know. We don't go unscripted. There's no notes here. No. We've never <laughs> once had a note. And I tell him, I said, we are two fans who have been blessed um, to be in the media now. Um, but at the end of the day, we're two fans that have two different viewpoints because we can look at it through the media lens. We can look at it through a fan's lens. We can look at it through a modern day, my age view. We can look at it through your vantage point, um, we focus on our teams here in Ohio, Northeast Ohio. But 
we tell stories. That's why I tell them, I said, we tell stories. It's storytelling. You, you know, we might plug in a number here or there, but I can count on one hand how many times you and I have, you know, talked numbers. And it's not very long. You know, it's maybe and, a, a magic number kind of thing or something like that. It's yeah, not. Well, again, sports talk to me gets very bogged down with nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, and that's why sports talk radio is is dying, in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. The the real talented people stay alive and they'll do well. Uh, the ones who are phonies who do cliche stuff. Yep. Uh, they're they're a, f- a flash in the pan for the most part. Uh, they come and go, and you know I don't listen to any of it anymore. I never have. Maybe because I used to do it, and yeah. now I don't need to. So. <laughs> no, I don't need uh, to. You know, I, the opportunity came. I would love to do it differently than it's done. Uh, not many people will give me that opportunity today, which is fine. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm 53. I'm not too concerned. My my day has not passed me, but, you know, it is. Yeah. I am where I am, and I'm happy. And, uh, yeah, I got Newcastle basketball coming up at the beginning of the new year. God willing, everything will work that th- those games will be played. Uh, COVID is rampant everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's caused havoc in college football and basketball. It's caused havoc in high school basketball locally. It, we are where we are in this country, and I'm not going to get on a soapbox mm-hmm. and tell you what to do because you know what to do. And I look forward to it. You know, uh, I can't wait for basketball season to get here before I can do it. And now, who knows? I mean, Pennsylvania's, you know, in this scenario where, where they are, and yeah. Ohio's not far behind. So, uh, but to be part of uh, Kane's basketball and Kane's nation, we can call it, it is, it's, it's a lot of fun and I look forward to it. And, you know, we were talking about all those coaches we were talking about. Yeah. Ralph, Blondo fits, about Ralph yep. Blondo fits right into that category. He yep. is truly culture. a oh, culture. A hundred percent. Matter of fact, I don't know if I ever get him on this podcast. I've never asked him, but if we ever do, we're going to talk culture with him. I bet I you mean, he would give some interesting thought process. And uh, I'm going to, I don't know if he'll have time during the season. Uh, maybe in the future, I'll see if he will be willing. I have no idea. Yeah. I've never, I never even approached him about it because um, I do about five or six interviews a year with him during the mm-hmm. season. And my partner, James does most of it, Yeah, uh, which is fine. You know, it's just the way we do things. Uh, when James is not available, I, I do it. And uh, James, you know, it's, it's funny. He just asked to do it. You know, well, I can do it. I was like, yeah, go ahead. I'll set up. You mm-hmm. do that. It'll save us time. And, um, and James, as you know, and any of those who uh, followed our uh, podcast, uh, you know, uh, running with the Canes a few years ago, mm-hmm. it will, uh, I'm really thinking about bringing that back this year and, and trying do to it. do that. Uh, do it. Yeah. It's time constraints. It's the hardest part yeah. is, is sit here and edit a basketball game yeah. and, and to put a, a highlight reel together, but I'm looking forward to that possibility. And uh, I think the the thought process is to do it. Uh, matter of fact, I uh, was going through one of these jump drives I had. I think I found some old basketball games from uh, like 2012 and 2010 mm-hmm. uh, when I was doing a Franklin Oil City and and Meville games. So I may throw a uh, a throwback Friday or throwback Thursday podcast back out there again uh, before the season begins. Uh, but anyways, that's just me BSing with everyone here. But uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed this podcast because I don't know what else to talk about, Anthony. I mean, we've done a well, lot here. 
I am going to finish it with this. All right. Uh, we've talked about COVID uh, ruining a lot of things in the sporting world. Uh, and unfortunately, it has uh, postponed our Penguins basketball season uh, on the men's and women's side. However, I don't know if you got the email. I got the email today. Uh, our Penguins are preseason Horizon League second place Penguins. Um will finally begin their quest, your quest, yes, to be heard on Selection Sunday, Wednesday night, inside the Beagley Center against Bluefield College. And I just looked up Bluefield College right now, Tim. I'm going to do a little scouting when we get off the air. Um, <laughs> they are, and I found this interesting, they are selling a select few tickets yes. to the game Wednesday yes. night. Um, Speaking of which... No- Go ahead. No walk-up sales on Wednesday, but uh, we are finally going to get on the basketball court and tip off uh, this season, which, Tim, I don't know. Uh, this could be a special, special team. Uh, yeah, Coach it, has, it has that potential. And uh, that gives me two things to talk about before we get out of here. Yes. That means we have to make contact with John Vargo again. Yes, we and do. Bring, and, and bring in John, who covers them for the Vindicator and the Warren Tribune. So uh, we'll have John on shortly. I guarantee you that I'll reach out to him hopefully in the next week or two. We'll let the first couple of games play and then get, get some inf- information from him. And mm-hmm. uh, as you brought up talking about the fans returning in the premier league, the fans are returning slowly. Uh, yeah. This past week was the first time fans were at Anfield and you know, it was it, small, a it was a small crowd. It? it does. It does. And at the end of the game to watch Jurgen Klopp just go right to the crowd and pump his finger and they're reacting right back at him as he pumped his fist. It was just, it just warms your heart. You know, you can see how much uh, they miss having the fans there and how heartbroken it was last mm-hmm. year to win that title, but nobody there and not be able to have a parade and, and a celebration. Yep. And, you know, I know we're far away and, you know, there's, there's a lot to be done between now and let's say June of next year. Yep. And unfortunately it's going to be a lot of heartbreaks for a lot of people along the way here in America and just stay safe people. I'm not, I, I hate to, yep. I hate going back to the same drumbeat, but do the right things, stay safe, keep yourself healthy, listen to the experts and, Let's get through this because the numbers are just absolutely outrageous right now. Two people are dying every 90 seconds. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's heartbreaking. It's wrong. And there's only one way to stop it. And that's for us to do the right thing as a a community. And there's nothing more that I would rather see than this this spring to be able to go to a Ohio, excuse me, a Youngstown State football game. Or this winter to go to a Youngstown State basketball game with you again. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, to have fans in high school basketball gymnasiums and to cover those games. And I don't know what the future holds. I'm not going to hear and predict it. I'm just telling you, if we do the right things, we're going to have more. And the more we have, the more we can enjoy. You look at the havoc that has caused the NFL and the NFL, like I said before, way before we all began, it says they'll do everything possible to play every freaking game. Even if that yes, means playing will. it on a Wednesday and they have, and uh, they're playing, you know, two games tonight. The Steelers started at five and they have their regular Monday night game and they have a game tomorrow night. 
And I'm all for Tuesday night games to get rid of the Thursday night game. All right, off off myself soapbox here, but that's everything. And just just take good care of yourself. There's too many people I know who've been hurt by this and too many people I know who have been ill from COVID. So please take care of yourself, take care of your family and make sure that we can have a, a winter that's less traumatic than it looks like it's going to be and a spring that we all can enjoy and get back to doing the things we love. And mm-hmm. that's what I think where all our energy needs to be. I want, uh, I want this thing to wrap up because I want to be there at that selection show when we, uh, with that Horizon League Championship trophy sitting there and you get to uh, realize your dream of uh, seeing that name pop up on CBS. I would be... I'll tell you what, as a fan of a, uh, of a mid-major, it's pretty fun seeing your school pop up there. It is. It is pretty fun. And I'm going to give a shout out real quick before we yeah, go ahead. I know I said I was done, but uh, my Vapo Lady Crusaders, who were, let's be honest, they were not very good. When I was there, they were not very good, and they've not been very good for years. However, they dipped into the Bob Bolden coaching tree uh, and hired oh, really? Mary Evans. Yes, who, who hired Mary Evans last year. She was Bob Bolden's first hire at hey, Youngstown. Yeah. Yes. Wow. You ready for this? Valpo ladies are 3-0. and Their last two wins at Illinois, at Purdue. God bless them. We're coming for the Big Ten title, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's one of the one of the great coaches that um, that came he's through. He's not going to be at Ohio State. U very long. Uh, he's been there ten years now, so yeah, he'll be somewhere know. big soon, I think. Yeah, I can't imagine he not. But uh, just a proud shout out to my Crusaders out there. Uh, the men got their first win uh, last night, so we are. Uh, it's exciting. We're hopefully getting Yeah, we're hopefully getting there. Hey, that's all that matters. Hopefully one, turn. It takes one game at a time. I know these cliches are boring as hell, but you know what? But you're right. It's one game at a time, one season at a time, one building Expect block. in the mid-major level. Yeah, it really is. All you got to do is win your conference. Look, we are a small market fans. We always have been. Get hot uh, for five games. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it. between Youngstown State, Valparaiso – uh, the Indians, the Cavaliers. Yeah. We're a small market fan. Yes, we are. And we are who we are. We live where we live. Our passion is where our passion is. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with us. If you did, do me a favor. Do me a, a simple favor. Go to iTunes and give us a rating and review. We haven't had one in a while. It'd be great to have one and uh, help promote the uh, the podcast. And also, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, let's enjoy the sports because, uh, we, you know, last year we had that two months, three months mm-hmm. of uh, a dormant period. And uh, it wasn't a lot of fun. No, it was not. It was pretty miserable. All right. Let's end this on a good note. The Browns are nine and three, baby. And we're coming. <laughs> we're coming. And, the, and we're coming for it all as they take on the, uh, the Ravens next week. And uh, we'll have all the information on that uh, next, uh, probably next Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll get together maybe mm-hmm. after that game. Uh, Cause I, like you said, it's Monday night. So for the Browns are nine and three, mark it on your calendar, put it on your tree, light it up in, on your lights outside, have fun with it. The Browns are nine and three people.
and the Pittsburgh Steelers just lost. You serious? Big Ben was just intercepted. Washington has the ball at the Steelers' 25-yard line with two minutes to go in the game, down three. Oh, my God. Washington is up 20-17. to 17. Holy smokes. The Washington football team is going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I tell you what, Ron Rivera is one hell of a football coach, man. He's one guy that I would, I would take on my team any day. Oh, wow. You never know in the world of sports, isn't it? Work at boy, the uh, black and gold fans are gonna be very quiet. Oh, they're gonna be hollering, they'll be hollering. Oh, oh my oh, goodness! Oh my, I can't wait to get on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and watch it. Oh, All right. oh, oh boy, all right. For Anthony and Canfield, I am Tim here in Boardman, wishing you all a wonderful, good week, and uh, may good things happen to all of us. And we'll talk to you soon, right here on Radio MVP.